Commander 2018 speculations. Prices on the rise and a Canadian tariff. Pugilist class, a Reddit thread, and my D&D Adventures League experience. Illamot. And Unlock. All this and more on this episode of YSMPG. Welcome to episode 30 of You Shall Not Pass Go. We are your hosts, Dave and Jengiz. And we are hosted on geekade.com. What's your geek? Uh, the Commander 2018 has, as of this recording, because I think spoiler season will actually begin by the time this recording comes out. But Probably. at the point that we're recording this at, we only have the barest hint of what Commander 2018 is going to be. We have colors and we have deck names. So you want to list them off, Jengiz? Um, Sure. Uh, so it's not so much deck names as it is themes. Um, and we also have pictures, which is nice too. Uh, so first off we have, uh, the, is it deck blue, red, uh, artifacts theme. Oh, we do have deck names. Sorry. I was going to say there are deck <laughs> names there. Uh, See? artifacts Fucked up already. exquisite invention. It was a mistake. Not a fuck up. <laughs> uh, then we have Jund black, red, green lands theme called nature's vengeance. And we have Bant, white, blue, green, Enchantment's theme, Adaptive Enchantment, and Esper, white, blue, black, Top of Library Matters theme, Subjective Reality. So these are all, um, so from, you know, when I, when I read the reaction thread about this, a lot of people are saying like, yes, 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 these were the top requested themes that we wanted. Um, but when I looked at it, I was like, Okay. <laughs> I mean, as with any commander set, I'm sure it'll be great. I'm looking forward to see what they're going to do with it. The pictures look interesting, but they mean absolutely nothing to me at the moment. Um, what I'm more interested in is the fact that I understand that commanders no longer holding to, you know, how many, you know, they're, they're like, you don't know how many decks we're going to print and you don't know what colors we're going to use. And we're not going to, but the fact that they used three of the shards of Alara. Yep bothers me because it feels like an incomplete theme <laughs> but like you said there's no theme i know but it feels that way there's really they got nothing us used to a pattern anything here you know so i wonder if there is going to be connective tissue between them probably um, not it, it, it doesn't have to be in the same world i'm just saying I'm not that the same world but the i'm fact saying that they like used three out of the four connecting them all yeah maybe because the last one was tribal uh you know previous one was partners I think um, this one is just... Just hodgepodge. Hodgepodge. Ho- poopery. Yeah. <laughs> Alex Poopery for 200. <laughs> I, I honestly, I don't really have any any predictions here outside of what they give um, us. I have some predictions. Like, I mean, let me put it this way. What, what do you think the commander ability of the set is going to be? So artifacts... Like, we've had partner, we've had eminence... What are we... Oh, like, if there's going to be a... You think there's going to be a new a thing? commander thing... Maybe the return of planeswalking commanders. Maybe because I mean, they're, I mean, but then again, you can't really base it off legendaries because legendaries look interesting enough, but like they don't always, they're not always the command, like they're not always planeswalkers. You, it's hard to discern between them. Mm. Um, you know, what I always noticed what there's no like non humanoid planeswalker other than Nicol Bolas and like a demon. Obnixilis, yeah, Nicol Bolas, yeah, Nissa's an elf, but you know what I mean. Okay, like, humanoid Koth. shape. Oh, humanoid shape. Yeah, Arlen Cord transformed. 
yes, but it's still <laughs> humanoid shape. I'm like, there's no like monstrous planeswalker. I a Johnny. He's still a humanoid shape. He's a cat person. But he's still humanoid shape. I'm talking like a spider planeswalker. That'd I be, mean, that'd be weird, but like. You just want something that's not bipedal? Yeah. Because even a spider planeswalker. I said no, non humanoid. Right, but I named non humanoid, but you're, you're, when you're I said what you want is not bipedal. I said humanoid. I said two hands, two feet. All right? I want something that doesn't. But what have... if it had two hands, two feet, and eight other arms? That'd be cool. Is that, does that satisfy your no. non human? <laughs> so you, you, don't, you don't want something bipedal. You want something that is does not have two arms and two legs. Correct. You want something that is just Maybe crawls. four legs or eight legs or. What if it's eight legs but two hands and stands upright? <sighs> It's walking the is line. My, this is my problem here with your theory here, Jangus. Walking the line. I think they dude. have monsters, planeswalkers. I think it just bothers you that they're standing on two legs. Maybe, but you want something that crawls. I, di- I digress. Because <laughs> what, that's what you really want. You want something that crawls. Yeah, or something like weird, like a worm, or like a horse. <laughs> It'd be weird. I know. I know. It doesn't make sense. I mean, no. I mean, like, it makes sense. I just. I don't know. I just I don't agree because like we've got we've got like Vraska is a weird thing. Yeah, but I understand she's bipedal and that bothers you. <laughs> she has two legs. God forbid. God forbid. Nicobolus has two legs. He does. He stands on them. I know. It bothers me. Anyways, um, maybe they'll still have some kind of card searching mechanic. Maybe. In what way? Um, Why? Because each Battle of them, Bond already did it. But I mean, like, specifically for this set. Um, because each of them have, like, a kind of an item they're looking for, so to speak. Um, except for the Esper one. Hmm. Um, you know, artifacts, lands, and enchantments. You know, maybe they'll search for them when they come into play. That'd be interesting. Uh, and maybe they'll borrow. Because if you look at the art... Uh, it's a bit everywhere, but you definitely see a a Theros, um, like an enchantment person. Um, a, so like maybe it'll be like they'll borrow a theme from the set they're from, uh, like a keyword. I think it's going to be a rehash of the experience. The experience? Yeah. I wouldn't mind that. Like it, like if I you mean, have like, X amount of experience counters, it does this. Because I kind of missed out on that the first time around. Yeah. Buzz buzz. Yeah, I really do think experience is going to come back. Okay. I think that. I know you missed out on it the first time, but I, I think that, I mean, it makes sense because they brought back eminence. That's true. They gave it an ability, like they gave it a uh, an actual wording this time instead mm-hmm. of just vaguely like they had in the original round with like Aloro and Devery and all the rest of them. But yeah, I, I think, I honestly do think that maybe experience, they're going to rehash it um, just because I feel like there's more you could do with that. Uh, but maybe not. I don't know. We'll see in a week. We'll see. Um, moving on. Moving on. Moving right along. Let's get political. <laughs> Is it political? Are you want to go political first? Yeah, let's go political um, first. 
technically changes the order from what we said in the beginning, but it did. Sure. Um, so let's go political. Ready? Yeah, Fuck Donald Trump. Fuck yeah. Batman. <laughs> <laughs> These are very political statements. So yeah. Recently, um, the, the United States has but, uh, had, so, had a bit of uh, trade um, disagreements with its various so allies, uh, one of which is Canada, um, and they were to the north. Some trade disagreements um, between so the United States they, and its allies. Uh, there have been uh, one of a variety of Canada. tariffs on yeah. neighbor to the uh, north, which is weird. a tax on why. imported and exported goods. So, mm-hmm. um, and the, one of them is paper, been ver- uh, specifically playing cards, has been tariffed coming out of uh, Canada, I believe, is the, the way no, it's going been, into go Canada. into Canada. Yes. Impose a 10% tariff in Canada. Um, so that specifically playing cards and what falls under playing cards is Magic the Gathering. Not just specifically playing cards, specifically magic cards. Magic cards are actually named under the playing cards territory. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't as, know that. As was Yu-Gi-Oh! and Pokemon. <laughs> Good for them. <laughs> <laughs> like, they, they actually, in the document, named those specifically under the playing cards heading. Um, so, hmm. yeah. So, if you're playing Magic in Canada and you like buying paper, it's about to get more expensive for you. If you play MTG Arena or MTGO, well, you're going to be fine. But if you like playing paper magic... Congratulations! Which, Sucks to be you. Which really, it really hurts the the brick and mortar stores. It does uh, a lot. The Canadian ones, yeah, because they're not making ten percent more profit from it. I know they're making the same amount of profit from these, except now they're you know now will, you know will this affect uh, Canadian MTG players from buying uh, domestic? Will they smuggle Magic the Gathering boxes over the border? I don't know about <laughs> smuggle. I'm pretty sure they can just buy it here and then bring it with them, can't they? Yeah. yeah. But I was right. putting on a more, you know. A more nefarious means? Yeah. You want to talk about smuggling, smuggling would be a brick and mortar, and this would be smart, a brick and mortar store teaming up with one that's in the U.S. and purchasing through a friendly U.S. vendor. Or, you know, a a brick-and-mortar store that's purchasing it from a vendor, and then the brick-and-mortar store sends it to them at cost and, you know, in the mail. And that way, because there's no monitor to that. I thought that Wizards based some of the store incentives around product purchase, though. I'm sure they do. And I'm sure, no matter what, it's going to hurt them in some way. It's just, how do you want it to hurt? Do you want your incentives to maybe take a hit? Mm -hmm. Or do you want your profits to take a hit? I'm inclined to think they'd prefer to keep their profits. Yeah. They need to stay in business. doesn't matter if they have incentives for people to come if they're not making the money to just keep the doors open. Mm-hmm. You know? It's a shame. It is a shame. It's a damn shame. Yeah. You we, know, don't, we, we're, we really wish things could, could be different. You know, I really don't like to see that people being affected by, you know, um, the, the whims of their governments, you know, in such a way. Especially magic players. Like, what yeah. the fuck, man? Like, what did we do? <laughs> <laughs> we keep people buying magic through they're not buying drugs out on the street that's right make america magic again apparently um yeah there's not much to, there's not too much more news to this except it just really sucks for canadian players so canadian players if you're listening to this podcast and you're outraged let us know how you feel and maybe we'll send you some magic cards yeah just email us your address your comment of how you feel and we'll smuggle you a couple packs yeah, of something. Maybe if you leave a review on our uh, podcast page on iTunes, maybe, you know, tell us how you feel about it. And then also leave a five-star review. <laughs> See, I was being smooth. You're uh, just no. straight up bribing. No, man. That's Give just straight up bribery. <laughs> There's no shame there. I said maybe. 
I assume it's that's like, be a direct that's like, correlation. That's like that's like, you know, that's like this mob boss going up to some dude that's standing on a dock with his hands tied and a gun to his face. He's like, look, you uh you might be swimming with the fishes. Maybe. I didn't, if you don't I didn't threaten anyone. If you don't if you don't, you know, do what I want. But I said maybe. You might survive. You scratch my back, I scratch yours. Anyways, speaking of money. Uh, in other Magic the Gathering financial news. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> this is real money uh, with Dave and James. Real talk with real money with real guys. You've got to buy Mox Diamond. <laughs> it's on the fall. Actually, no, it's not. It's uh, on the rise, man. Oh. You don't want to buy Mox Diamond. You want to sell Mox Diamond, maybe. So, Actually, no. Honestly, you don't want to buy or sell. You want to keep the one you have. And if you don't have one, well, you want to cry home to mama. So what's going on with Magic the Gathering card prices, Dave? All right, so... We've talked about it before on here. When the story first hit, we, we it was around when we just first started the podcast. Yeah, this was like this was like the, the first, th- first ten. Ter- yeah, within the first <laughs> ten episodes, um, we had talked about how an article had released about this gentleman who, and he wasn't the only one doing it. He was just the one who, I guess, this article article happened to feature. Mm-hmm. But uh, a gentleman who had been making a living. Buying, selling magic cards, specifically through the format of what is known as the buyout. Um, to review a buyout, what a buyout is, a buyout is where they take um, a collector or somebody that's you know trying to make a profit is going to try and purchase as many, if not all, copies of a card that is old and preferably on the... Um, uh, the reserved list. Thank you. The reserved list, and that way they know it can't be reprinted surprisingly in some new uh, hashed out set. And they'll buy as many copies of the card as they can get their hands on for whatever price it's at, and then sell it back at a much increased profit. It happened. I think originally the card that sparked this whole thing was the card Moat, which was an expensive card at the time um, that the buyout happened, like the first big buyout that like shook people. But then this dude bought out all these moats and then sold them back for like three or four times the profit. It was something ridiculous like that. You can track it all if you look it up online. Since that time, people have started to just do the same thing. They'll just take a card on the reserved list and they will just, doesn't matter what it is anymore. It used to be just rares. It's even now just, just, it's now like, yeah, it's like commons, uncommons, and everything is skyrocketing. That, That 25 cent common you had from, you know, antiquities that you thought was worthless that happens to be on the reserve list is now a, you know, $15 common, which are just like, why did this happen? Yeah, It really hurts people who want to play, like, legacy. But the thing is, it's not even like it's every card. It's not even like cards that are just being played in Vintage and Legacy. This is literally just just cards. Um, And I just happened to notice how ridiculous it's gotten because I was uh, inputting my collection into a new system I'm using to keep tabs and uh, to understand like what cards I have, what cards I don't have. And as I was using the system, it's telling me all the prices of the cards. Now, um, if you've listened to our podcast exclusively, you'll know that about a year ago, around this exact time, in fact, um, so I guess if you go back to episode, let's see, 12 minus 30, 30 minus 12 would be uh, 18. Yeah. So if you go around episode 18 or so, I probably will have mentioned that I took a uh, um, a chance and um, my aunt, who I was with, 
offered to buy me a pack of magic at a store and I got a, an old pack of what is it stronghold that uh I believe that Mox some, Diamond was in I believe so. I think it's stronghold um I could be lying though we'll check it out on the fly as I keep speaking um but I, I bought a pack and I was like yeah Mox Diamond's in this stronghold. pack stronghold I was like Mox Diamond's in this pack or in this set I was like wouldn't it be awesome if I packed it and then like magic haha <laughs> I did I, I packed Mox Diamond. Um, at the time I packed the card, it was like a $90 card, which was still pretty expensive. But I was just like, okay, it's Mox Diamond. Sure. Like, I get it. I totally get it. Then out of nowhere, I just happened to look. It just skyrocketed. Why? Because it's, it's, it's I think, did Mox Diamond go on the reserve list? I don't know. I think it is because I remember they reprinted Mox Diamond in a specialty set, but then realized they messed up because I think originally the reserve list said you couldn't reprint um, except for specialty sets. And then they did or some some fucking loophole um, that's never going to happen again. But long story short, Mox Diamond is now like a two hundred and fifty dollar card. It's spiked like out of nowhere. Um, and that's because of these buyouts. Five hundred and twenty dollars at one point. Yeah, that was probably the day of the buyout. <laughs> you imagine that? Yeah. Yeah, I can. And I've, and I, don't get me wrong. I've made tons of profit off of these buyouts. Um, I talked about a few months ago when I sold all those gemstone caverns when they spiked from being like a, a dollar rare to being like like 20 or $30 a pop. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm making money and I'm sure other people are making money, but it's crazy. I'm just like, it's not healthy. It's not healthy. It's, it's not healthy create, for the market. It's like, it's like the housing bubble, man. I feel like it's going to pop. Oh, it's coming. It's going <laughs> to pop. And all these card prices are going to drop. And all these people that invested all this money are just going to be so sad. And all these new players will be like, Hey, yeah. I can play legacy now. Right. <laughs> but I don't know, man, like something's something's going to change and it's not going to be good one way or another but uh it's it's fascinating so if you have any older cards out there listener and you've you know you happen to be playing magic around the times of the first few sets and you have a lot of reserved list cards even if you thought that you know dollar rare was uh not worth anything and is laying in a shoebox at the top of your closet you may want to check out how much it's worth now because there's a good chance you might make a, a pretty decent chunk of change hey uh, speaking of uh, legacy, real quick, yeah, uh, we didn't say yeah, this yeah, in the yeah. beginning. Uh, Deathrite Shaman and Gitaxian probe have oh, been got, banned. Yeah, banned. Yeah, yeah I they don't got know the if hammer. That, like, is that like something that's relevant to the decks you were trying to make? I don't know. In legacy, I, yeah, no, because my legacy, the two legacy decks that I made when I tried to play legacy was Sneak and Show. Well, technically, it was Omni Sneak and Show because um, I did have Omniscience in there, but. I was playing Omni Sneak and Show, and before that, I was playing um, Opalescence. Which, if I ever go back to Legacy, I'd love to. I'd love to just play Opalescence again. But the problem is, the problem with both of those decks are the lands, man. Mm-hmm. Like I have all the other cards. You gotta have the 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 freaking in in Sneak and Show. I have to have the Volcanic Islands, most expensive dual land there is. God damn. Um, and in. Opalescence, I need to have a play set of Sarah Sanctums, and I only have one. Um, and I can't imagine how much those have spiked either since the time of, you know, the buyouts. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I just probably won't ever play Legacy, unless I'm playing Proxied Legacy. And even then, probably not. We just, I'm just going to stick to stick to what I love, Commander. 
Moving on to D&D. Moving on to D&D. So, no. At the time of this cast, <laughs> no Unearthed Arcana. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Is this <laughs> the first time that's happened? Eh. I think they made a mention about like it being lighter. This no, but I mean, like, is this the first time you and I have ever not had an Unearthed Arcana? Oh, yeah. I think so. Wow. 30 episodes. Uh, I'm sure someone will be like, well, actually, you know, the in finger it- thing. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, if somebody did have that offhand knowledge, I would die. They're our biggest, we'll send them a t shirt. They're our biggest fan. Um, but yeah, so we don't have anything on Earth Arcana to talk about. However, in its place, uh, I do have, uh, so I was you know, through the various searches. There's a bunch for, of fluff DD well, stuff to talk fluff, about. But I figure, like, every now and then, maybe we should try to, um, we should try to spotlight some uh, homebrew creations uh, that are actually really good. Uh, one of which that I saw is uh, it's the class is called the Pugilist. It was created by uh, a one Benjamin Huffman. Um, recently, it's the second anniversary of the Pugilist class. He released it two years ago, uh, and now he made a second anniversary edition, which has a whole bunch of expanded uh, class stuff, like more, more like they they call them fight schools. Uh, and let me see here. And like different more class options, and now it's uh, it's available on the Dungeon Masters Guild website mm-hmm. uh, for about two bucks, which isn't bad. Um, and the in PDF form, uh, the f- the first like there's a preview edition that has. So what the- is the Pugilist class, Jengis? <laughs> I want to give all the information because <laughs> there is a free PDF you can get that has a base class and two schools. So what the Pugilist class is. Uh, so essentially, uh, brass tax. It is a monk reskin, um, but there is differences. Uh, so, <clears throat> so first of all, uh, the pugilist is a strength based melee class. Uh, they have a D eight hit die, so you know fairly, you know, not the beefiest, but not like a D four or D six. Um, they, like I said, their primary stats are strength uh, and also constitution. So they're meant to take a hit. Um, so they start out with essentially, uh, martial arts, but for, you know, bare knuckle, but the, the theme is like, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a sweltery, you know, a, sw- a swaggery guy or girl, uh, who, you know, fights in a bar, that kind of person. Uh, so the, their first level, you know, my first level, they get fisticuffs, fisticuffs makes it so they roll a D six for damage instead of a D four, uh, to make it, you know, to make them at least somewhat uh, threatening in a hand-to-hand fight. So they don't have, you know, there's no need to uh, move to anything else. Uh, I believe they also, uh, the the pugilist weapons are uh, simple melee weapons without the two-handed property, whips, and improvised weapons count as pugilist weapons. So you could break a chair, smack someone over the head with a... Uh, with a with that leg and like it's pretty cool. They also get the uh, iron chin where they use con instead of their decks to determine their armor class when they're wearing light or no armor. Mm-hmm. So essentially, that's the uh, you know pretty much like I said, it's a it's a mirror or a reskin of the monk. Uh, instead of key, they get moxie. Moxie is what they use to do the, like their extra attacks. So like I said, all this is monk stuff. Um, where where it goes away from the monk is the fight clubs, which are pretty much the archetypes that you get at uh, th- I believe it's third level. Uh, yep, third level. You get fight clubs. Um, the one they include in here, and I just closed the window. <laughs> uh, 
So the first one they have, I believe, is like the Sweet Science. Uh, the Sweet Science is a, a more boxer type fight club. Um, yep. And they get like a reaction called Cross Counter where they take damage, but they need deal damage too. Uh, and then they get something called One Two Three Floor, which is like a uh, like you can do a pin and knock someone out. It's pretty cool. The other one they have in here is called the Squared Circle, which is more like a, a wrestler, which I think is pretty cool. Uh, the full version, I know, I like it a lot. Uh, the full version has uh, such archetypes as like a luchador, and like there's one that's a uh, a Muay Thai. Uh, kind of fighter and I think it's really cool a lot of effort went into here uh, I think it's definitely worth checking out and maybe incorporating into your own campaign from what I read from reviews everyone's like oh I love the pugilists love the pugilists I think a lot of people just want to fight with their fists but not have like the monastic tradition associated with it and I think this is a nice alternative uh, I hope they include it in D&D Beyond someday um, so that's that um, moving on moving on uh, I have to remember what else we were going to talk about. We're going to talk about some cart campaign that went oh, horribly yes. wrong. Yeah, so this is another thing I came upon. This was like a really highly upvoted thread on the D&D Next subreddit, uh, which is was originally the D&D 5e subreddit. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's separate from the original D&D subreddit. Anyways, so the original post was uh, from one of the players of the game. The title is, Convince my party to murder an entire village. Now my DM is thinking of quitting. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, essentially, this is is a really long story, but essentially they went into a town where a necromancer unleashed a plague of undeath uh, on the small village uh, where the player grew up in. It was highly infectious and easily transmitted. They were given a clock that if they don't fix it, by the time this clock runs down, everyone in the town's going to turn into a zombie. Sure. So they made some failed checks. Um, and then they, you know, so they sit and they, they talked it over. They planned it over. They talked to each other. And they said, you know what? I think we're not going to be able to cure this because for all intents and purposes, they don't know there's a cure. Right. Um, so like, you know what we do? Tonight, we lock the gates. We murder everybody. And they went freaking... Uh, Arthas on their asses. <laughs> they killed everybody. The man had. How to, is that? But how is that a solution to their issue? Because if it's a necromantic plague. Isn't because it just if they raise die them? from the plague, then they like the plague. When the plague takes its course, right. at the end of the plague's life, they become zombies. If they die any other way, they don't become zombies. Oh, okay. Um, so this guy, they had to kill everyone, including children, and like oh, they. Played it out. They role played it out. Like, I can't imagine going through that. And, like, apparently, so we read this. And then, like, they, the DM finishes. The DM is supremely devastated that the things turned out the way they did. And she, she was like, you know, we're just going to call it for today. And then the, she messages back saying, I think I'm just going to stop. Um, so then the DM posts. The DM's post is so much longer because obviously the DM is, uh, DM knew what she was doing and what was going on. Right. Apparently, um, the check was supposed to be supremely high in the beginning. I think it was like a DC 30 check right. or something like that. As time went on, the check was going to go down and down. So they would just continue to look into it. And then the check would become lower and lower because they would get more right, clues. Right, but the players don't know the that. The players don't know that, and that was never communicated. Right. Um, 
and blah, 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 blah. And then, like, you know, everything turned out the way it did. Sure. Uh, so this started a huge fight online. A lot of people came... A lot of people accused the DM of not DMing properly. A lot of people accused the players of being reckless and murder hobos and just, like, <laughs> killing everything. Yeah. Um... Some people said, like, no, this was you should keep playing because these are the best people because they're they role played the entire thing. And who wouldn't want a group of players who role play everything and not just be like, eh, let's just kill them all, right? You know, where they're like, you know, there's there's where anguish, there, where there's there like, yeah, emotional emotion, devastation, exactly. Sure, um, you know, like I said, huge thing. I'm curious what you think. Like, I mean, I am. I mean, first off, the DM can really for the DM can't the DM can be upset about how events turned out, but the DM only has herself to blame because the fact of the matter is is that players don't have the inside information that was required. Um, the DM knew that the check was going to get easier, but the players thought all hope was lost, and they were trying to figure out a solution that would work, and that's the solution they came up with. Likewise, if that wasn't the solution she wanted, what she could have done is she could have um, sent an NPC to look into the clock, or there's there's 110 things she could have done mm-hmm. to divert that course of action. By letting the players take that course of action, she can't really be that upset. I mean, she can be upset in terms of like, yeah, it didn't go the way she wanted, but at the same time, like, if they role-played it properly, and if they weren't, like, and if it takes emotional toll on the players, on the characters, that's great. That means they have now a great role-playing backstory to go with and something fantastic to use for later games. Um, I love that. I mean, on the other hand... I don't really know how the what the parties consists of, but yep. like if I'm if I'm anything of a good alignment, if that's how I'm playing my character, I don't think there would ever be an option where I would just be like, let's just murder everybody. <laughs> I don't think that's ever a clear option for me. For me, I'd be like, if if the option Especially was either like- A, they all get they all die from the plague and and become zombies and we have to kill them then or B, we kill them beforehand. I I, I honestly I just, vote for zombies. I just feel like they gave up too quickly. Yeah. Like this I, was supposed to take a couple days. I, I, I mean, they gave up on day one. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just unusual. And even if that was the even if that was the backup plan, I would have been working on that clock constantly and then hopefully would have seen that the checks were getting easier. Um so yeah, I mean that's kind of that's kind of my take on it. Yeah, it was definitely like a, I mean like man, so many things like went wrong with this, and like you come to the argument where at what point do you hold your players' hands and be like, or try to hold their hands without holding their hands, like like a, a guy in an escape room where you're like, hey, take the thing with you, you're gonna need it for later, or like, but you I know. mean at the same time like. <laughs> Once again, a lot of it comes down to what the party makeup like, is. If the you, party of makeup is a bunch of assassins, no, like there was a cleric, but that doesn't mean anything. I mean, but there's like, a, a cleric of Osmodius, like yeah, that no, doesn't not, mean not, anything. Not a cleric of Osmodius, but I mean, like they, they weren't all like you know. You would think like the DM maybe would tailor the check to something that's their strength, or maybe like I think instead of saying the check gives you nothing. Look, like I, I don't. I think I think there was faults on both sides. Oh, I agree. But honestly. I don't think either side should be upset. I also agree with that. Because if the DM didn't want that outcome to happen, I mean, 
yes, you're you're not supposed to strong arm the plot and the players, but at the same time, if you don't want if you don't want that thing to happen, literally throw any NPC down to stop them. <laughs> literally, the guards figure out their plot because they overheard it at the bar the night before and come and arrest. Like you can. On the fly, a lightning bolt could come down from the sky and <laughs> Zeus could strike them dead. Anything could happen. The DM is the god of the world. So to be like, if this was not the outcome she wanted at any time, even if they started, like they locked the gates, they killed the first person, and she's trying to like plan their sympathies and put some women and children in front of them and they were going to kill them too throw NPC in there <laughs> throw paladin of justice that comes in at the last second and does something and maybe have the NPC do the like just anything but if you don't do that if you let it play out and if they're playing it out the way it's supposed to be played out role playing all you got a deal yeah like you just got a deal and honestly I think that's good world building because I'm sure any plan she had for this world are now fucked yeah 100% so I understand why she'd be like you know well I don't want to play There's anymore a princess in that town oh <laughs> Not gonna say that one. <laughs> but then again, the other thing is like this is D and D. Like these characters keep playing. Ninth level or ninth level spells are active. <laughs> Mass wish that village. Just wish, man. <laughs> I wish that village survived. That'd be cool. Done. Maybe make like a really cool role playing. That's moment. a that's a great. Like, it's a great like end game they quest. They have to go to like a god. It's a great <laughs> end game quest. So honestly, like I, I think it's whatever. Uh, so speaking of shitty times in in role playing, though, I heard you oh, didn't have a great time at the Adventurers League. Just, just real quick, uh, I'm gonna post both posts in the in show the notes. notes. Yeah. So that people, you can read, make your own judgments and what you think, and let us know what you think. Um. So yeah. Uh. So I I'm hankering to play Dungeons and Dragons. Like I'm itching i'm fiending you could see <laughs> um so I, I decided you know what uh i'm gonna go down to the local my local hobby shop and i'm gonna try DD adventures league mm-hmm. um so I, I i asked the owner um you know what do i need to be prepared he's like just roll up an eighth level character we'll fit you in um so when i get there uh, i was told that <laughs> i was told that no, just in my head like in my head, I see you taking the time, thinking, oh, yes, what is this? Let's see, this character's backstory, huh? <laughs> and uh, the stats, yeah, okay. Oh, and he has this really tormented, this, just this whole deep, like, ready-to-go character. And then, like, it's, like, the best way I can describe what I'm seeing in my head is imagine, like, imagine, like, the Robin from that from that Titans trailer, <laughs> the fuck Batman Robin. Imagine that Robin... Entering Teen Titans Go <laughs> and being like, "What the hell is this?" That's what I'm seeing in or my like, head right now. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? Well, like you're the fuck Batman, Robin, was, and they're like the rest of the Teen Titans Go crew mm-hmm. in that like silly slime. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, that's what I'm seeing. So I mean, like I came into this, I was I didn't know what to expect because I've never done Adventures League. I've done. Like one shot games at like conventions, but I've never done Adventures League. Um, so I get there, I have my my stuff, I have my fancy dice box with my dice in it. Um, <laughs> and uh, so they sent me down with a table. They told me that they're nearing the end of the current season, which was uh, Tomb of Annihilation. Uh, so things might be pretty progressed by the time I'm there. Uh, so I sit down with these group. You know, we we shoot, you know, the shit for a bit. Uh, the they're waiting on a couple other people to get there, mm-hmm. so we they apparently had like a second uh, tertiary um, game mm-hmm. that they could 
put me in, and apparently it was bonus. It was like a bonus campaign for the season, um, where you play as Gith Zerai and trying to stop a, a Gith Yonki plot to overthrow the multiverse. Hmm. It was weird. Um, so we do that, um, and I'm like, here, I was like, I'm playing a monk. So like, oh, here's a monk. Um, so play another monk, and I'm like, okay. Uh, so it was like a bun- it was a combat encounter. That was it. Um, apparently, it was the end of a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, you know, and then the, the next, uh, part was the, so we, we finished that and then some other people get there. We go back to the original campaign. I'm in the middle of a maze. Um, stuff's going on. Crazy stuff. We're in a, we're in a labyrinth. We're trying to, we're making rolls, trying to find keys to open a door. Uh, people already have stuff. Like, mm. apparently these characters have already died, and this is, like, a second set of characters. Mm. And, like, there's a whole bunch of stuff, uh, and the DM's going through it. Um, the DM's going through it real, like, efficiently, which I appreciate, because it was a big group. It was, like, six of us. Um, but, like, ultimately, I, it wasn't exactly what I wanted. Um, you know, it was definitely, like, a, I got the feeling of, like, they want to finish this before the season's over so you can get the season, season bonuses to roll over for the next one. Mm-hmm. There are some great, you know, the great players, really energetic people, really great. But I just feel like the the feel of the game was not for me. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully I'll find a game that will fit to my preferences, but I don't think Adventures League, at least the middle or the end, the latter half of the end of Adventures League is for me. Maybe next time I'll try to get in early the beginning of the season, see if it's different. Sure. Yeah, so moving on to board games. Uh, board games. Illumot yeah. is the first one we have up. Illumot was cool, man. You got that at, at PAX uh, Unplugged. At PAX? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. And I, I thought it was neat. Um, you want to talk about a little bit about just the basics of the game and then I'll kind of give a newcomer's perspective to it. Sure. Um, Ilma is a trick taking game. Um, or for the most part, uh, essentially there's four different fields where there will be cards laid down and then there's three different actions you can do. You can sew, which is place cards into the field, into one field. Uh, you can, uh, pick up which is you take a card in your hand, so say you have a five, and if there's a two and a three in one field, you could pick up the two and three because they add up to five. There's more complex variations of that, but that's the simplest way to put it. And the other uh, action is called stockpile. So if there's a five on the board, you could put another, as long as you have a five in your hand, you can make uh, actually, the easier way to say it is, say you have a three on the board, two in your two and a five in your hand. You could put the two on the three, which makes five, and that's called a stockpile. <laughs> it's called math, Jack. It is called math. It's called math. But aren't all card games math in some way or another? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, there's, ex- I'm sure there's some that aren't. Maybe, but a lot of them. Um, but that's just the basics. There's little twists. Uh, the twists, like each field is a different season. And except for summer, uh, certain actions are prohibited in each season. Uh, and then the an additional twist is when you clear a field, which means get rid like the field is empty, you flip over a, a luminary. Uh, and the luminary has a special ability that changes the rules of the game somehow. The luminary is a special card mm-hmm. that is on each end of the field, on the four corners. Um, it was neat, man. Yeah. I had a lot of fun. 
uh i wasn't sure what to expect but i liked the look of it the look um, is what drew me in <laughs> i didn't even yeah i, I didn't mean, even play it when i bought it i was just like oh a card game that looks this cool <laughs> sign me up <laughs> yeah it looked really neat um it's essentially a deck of cards mm-hmm. without the luminaries it's essentially just a deck of cards uh, with um, one additional suit i believe yeah yes uh, but in the game that we played we only used four yeah. because it was a two-player game mm-hmm. so there is potential to to homebrew Illamod, but i would recommend buying the game because it just looks really neat it looks like you're going to cast a wizard spell <laughs> even though even though there's literally nothing to do with wizard spells or magic or anything it's still neat just to sort of like see the design of it um kind of monochrome handkerchief looking board Mm -hmm. with like you know and then the cards themselves are just like uh like very uniquely artistry playing cards Mm -hmm. and then the luminaries are sort of like tarot looking cards tarot yeah, I I know. I, I'm I'm not, I'm also that guy that will say quesadilla, even though I know it's pronounced quesadilla. I, it's you know Target, Target. Like yes, mm-hmm. I'm mispronouncing something on purpose. I but regardless, um, yeah, yeah, I I enjoyed playing it, man. I had fun. I won. Yeah, I wasn't expecting did. to win, but I did win. Um, um, super fun. Uh, because it's a card game, it's relatively on the lower side as far as price go. Um, and it's very tra- it's very portable. Uh, it's very yeah. everything folds up into a very small box, uh, and the box is actually part of the game, uh, which makes it even cooler. Uh, also, my my patented strategy of just being a dick worked. <laughs> being like it a just dick worked. is a good strategy in that game. Uh, being a dick is a good strategy in a lot of I games, but that game it worked out really well I, for. I really want to play a four player. I have not played a four player game. I've played a two player game. I've played a three player game, but I really want to play a four player game because then you use the fifth suit, and then I, things can I get. Also have, I also have to imagine it. It's got a stall or something because it, I can't imagine everyone's machinations not getting thwarted in one way or another. <laughs> well, so you got to imagine just, there's also like tons of cards out on the in in hands, so the possibilities are a lot more. You know, there's a lot more variations you could do, and I'm sure like you'll get a lot more. Uh, <clears throat> clearing the field probably happens. I don't know. I don't actually know. I like that's why I want to play it just so I can see what it's like. You know. Um, that's, you know, eh, one day I'm sure I'll get four people. Uh, it's, you know, at at least four. Uh, I wish, you know, these games, you'd love to make them go up, but like, I think plays best. It plays best two to four. Uh, I don't know four yet, but I know two plays smooth. I know three plays smooth. So I can only assume, but you know, still two thumbs up for me. Uh, oh yeah, totally two thumbs it's, up. Uh, it's, and I'm happy to have it as part of my collection. I'm glad you got it. And the next game we're going to review it's, it's is Jengus' redemption re- redemption <laughs> it's game. A redemption arc. I failed previously with the yeah. uh, I think Escape um, yeah series of ga- a series of games uh, one game and of the series. 
so Jengis bought Unlock, which is, which is o- also um, an a, escape roomish kind of game. Yeah, it's another like escape game. I wouldn't call it escape room because we technically escape from an island, but like it's the similar idea. You're solving puzzles to get out somewhere, and gives you that very escape room type aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Um, it should be noted that I went into this game already thinking it was going to be better, simply because it's made by Space Cowboys and Asmodee, who are the people who make um, time stories. Yeah. So I sort of like I saw their logo, and I've I've they're they're just hitting they're hitting every <laughs> ball that comes at them. You know what I, I mean? mean? It, so it I, makes, they've, they've got my they've got my M, M Night Shyamalan level of trust right now. I hope oh, they damn. just don't do what he did, and then like you know. Because Shyamalan had my trust for so long. It was like unbreakable. Wow, what a great movie. And then Sixth Sense, my God, oh, so good. And then it was like, oh, yeah, like uh, the signs. Wow, this is really good too. And then the village came out and then it just all went downhill from there. It was like village. It was like, uh, all right, well, maybe this wasn't his best. And then it was like Lady in the Water, and I was like, oh, okay, well, you know, he's got to have another one coming in soon. Fool me twice, and M. Then, Night. <laughs> and then The Happening, back-to-back with Last Airbender, and I was like, we're done for now, M. Night. <laughs> we're done for I'm now. I'm so, with you. <laughs> yeah. Unbreakable? Not this time. Mm. Um, but... Yeah, so I, I went in already sort of trusting the fact that it was going to be a good game, and it was. I Unlock was very cool. What I like about it, um, so how Unlock plays is you get a deck of cards that all have uh, numbers on the back, mm-hmm. and the back uh, the numbers correspond to different things that are going to happen throughout the game, um, but the basic game ends up being you start off with X amount of cards, usually one's like a locale. That locale has a bunch of numbers on it. Anytime you see a number on a card, if there's a card back that matches that number you can then take that card and the cards are either items or locks or puzzles and the cards um interact there's some math involved and every card game is as math. you yeah <laughs> and eventually as you as you solve through your way um of these puzzles you unlock more cards while ditching old cards you no longer need until eventually you get to the end the, um, there's a companion the really, app uh, I was about to say uh, the really neat aspect of it was the companion app because it not only has some nice ambiance sound and the 60 minute timer you need as well as a score tracker, um, but it also can give you hints. It also is what you use to input codes. It's just it's a really nice, well thought out app, mm-hmm. um, which speaking of which it. Um, this is kind of a throwback, but when we talked about the Sherlock Holmes game oh. um, that we had played, what I did not know is as that's which is also made by um, Space Cowboys and Asmodee. Um, I did not know there wasn't that companion app to that game as well. Really? Which, Does it keep uh, track it, of the places you go to? No, it's not oh, that cool. I was gonna be simply, like, that would really help. <laughs> It's, it was simply it was simply like some ambiance and it does the uh, the introduction narration it, oh. it does it for you so you don't have to read it out loud um, so read by to, to the Benedict case file Cumberbatch. yeah <laughs> Benedict Cumberbatch um, but regardless of that um, yeah so I thought the companion app to unlock was fantastic um, I want I'm I was gonna give it two thumbs up oh what I'm happened? gonna give it a thumb and a half. Well, so so my, um, Bevan, a little bit of story. We played it together, yeah. and then Dave liked it so much he bought it so he could play it with uh, with his wife. Um. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I I didn't just buy like one. I bought another three. So I've played. 
I've played three and a half of them. The reason I say three and a half of them is the the last one we bought was like uh, the hardest difficulty one that they had, and it was another like island adventure. But mm. I don't. I'm not sure it could be played with two players, or maybe me and my wife are the wrong two players to play with. <laughs> oh, that's the maybe one the, where they do the thing and they they split the party. Yeah. So like you each have your own deck, and you're not supposed to be interacting with the other yeah, person, and then eventually that's better with something, four. Yeah, like like it's much better when you have a teammate to kind of like help you because we were both just stuck and it also just seemed like we didn't know if we were supposed to be taking hints. We didn't know if I was waiting for her to do something or she was waiting for me to do something. I I, I do remember that one. Um, There were definitely points where just like, like, what the hell do we do? And then it's like, and then you get to a point where you can communicate with the other person and they're like, oh, I've got this. Oh, you've got that. We've got this. And it kind of goes... Yeah, I'm sure with more people, that one's probably great. But that's why my rating went down from like two thumbs up Mm -hmm. to like a thumb and a half. Because the games list that you can play them with two players. But I honestly think that game was not built for two players. Mm -hmm. And I also feel like I don't know what the rest of the series is. Um, There is uh, for our wonderful listeners. Unlock has, I think, nine games so far. And it's working on the next three. They're like trilogies. And um I just feel like I, I haven't played them all, so I don't know if this was just the only miss for me. But if they designed another game like that, it should just be listed on the box that like this game, like that game should have been listed as a four player minimum game. Um, in my opinion, I honestly think two is just it. It just doesn't work well for it. I can understand um, that. But it was still all the other ones we played were were plenty fun. We had a lot of uh, the the logic leaps aren't that crazy. <laughs> every, every every now and then you do need a hint, but overall, like it was it was really it was really fun. It was really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, two thumbs up for me. I love that yeah. series. Um, anytime I get a chance to play them, I like you know I'm like yeah, let's crack it open, let's do it because uh, yeah. you know it, it tickles that that. That scratches. I'm sorry. It scratches that puzzle solving itch. You know that right. that apps like the room and stuff like that. You know, scratch. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> and uh, as a final note on our board game section, since that pretty much rounds it out for the month, um, I did in fact finally get Gloomhaven. But we are going to wait to. Re- yeah, I know, right? <laughs> we're going to wait to review it until we've had a little bit more exposure with it. I'm playing it in a four-player setting, and then I'm playing it in a two-player setting, and I so I will be able to compare and contrast thoroughly. Jengis is playing with me on the two-player setting, so he'll, he uh, he has to get a better read on on the game in general. It's true, and um, yeah, we'll see. Uh, I'm probably hopefully by next month we'll have a pretty solid review ready. I would say so. Hopefully, yep. Well, anyway, thanks for listening, loyal listeners. I almost said viewers. Man, <laughs> getting old. All right. Theater and, of the uh, mind. <laughs> yeah, right? Oh, also look forward to um, Rocco and I recently hung out. So we have another episode of The Planet of the Ick, Ooh. hopefully coming soon as well. I'm excited. <laughs> so uh, more, next month more we'll be- learning about the politics of a city and how it works and everything. Oh no, not that, <laughs> not not this one. This one was, this one was all mission. No good. It was all business. No good. Oh god, it was so. Oh jeez. <laughs> all right. Anyway, have a great month, ladies and gentlemen. Adios. If you liked this episode of You Shall Not Pass Go, please subscribe. 
Our episodes are monthly, and you can find this and many more podcasts on geekade.com. If you'd like to share your opinions about the topics of the episode or you just want to say hi, email us at ysmpgcast at gmail.com.